What's up, youth? It's Pastor Aaron. Stoked for you guys to listen to this message. Check it out. We are still in one big story. How many weeks do you guys think we've been doing this series? Forever and ever. That's what it feels like to me. Um, uh, we have, so this week is Ezekiel. The next week we have Daniel. And the week after we have the Minor Prophets. And then we're done with the Old Testament, which is like most of the Bible. Because like the New Testament, even though it's like what people like quote probably the most, is like less than half the Bible. Um, so after we do those two weeks, we're going to take a break. No, one, no more one big story for the rest of the year. And then we're going to pick back up with New Testament in January. So Sanders taking a, a deep breath. I am too. Oh, well, I was going to say I'm also taking a deep breath. I'm ready for a break, but I'm, I'm excited. Um, but anyway, this morning I'm talking about Ezekiel. Have any of you guys ever read the book of Ezekiel? Like even like parts of it. Okay, leaders. Okay, yeah, a couple of you guys. Aaron, yeah, sweet. I had... Ezekiel, I'm not going to lie, Ezekiel, when I was like, okay, Luke, you're speaking about Ezekiel this week, I was like, that's like one of the books in the Bible that I've like barely read. Like, I'm not prepared. So I had to do a lot of research this week. Um, And I have to say that Ezekiel, it's like, have you guys ever watched a movie and been like, like you get to the end of the movie and you're like, what, what was that? Like, you're just like really confused. You're like, what even every Netflix movie? Kung Fear, okay, nice, Kung Fear. Is it that one that's out right now? No. Is it Kung, like Kung Fu Hustle? Just don't watch it? Okay, I won't watch it. Okay, it makes no sense. I mean, are anybody else have like a movie they've watched that they're like, what, like, what was that? Brandon? He does too. Okay, sweet. Um, I have two examples of that. Um, <laughs> he had his hand raised. <laughs> yeah, Gemma? Star Wars? I... I vehemently disagree. Um, anyway, um, I have two examples of that. Uh, one, I watched this movie this last week. Um, have you guys seen that ad for that movie, Marcel the Shell? Yeah, some of you guys. I have to say it was really, really good. But I'm watching it, and it's about this, like, shell that wears shoes, and it talks, and it, like, has a life. And it's, like, really funny and sarcastic um, and, like, has to, like, go on this adventure. And it's, like, actually, like, really, really good. It sounds really dumb. But I was in the middle of watching it. I was like, I don't know what I'm watching, but this is phenomenal. Um, so there was that. Um, and then, have you ever you guys ever seen like the old Willy Wonka movie, like the old one? Yeah. You guys know that scene where like he they're in the tunnel on the boat and he just starts like screaming at them. And then there's like visions on the wall and he's like literally like yelling at the people. And there's like bugs crawling on the wall. It's like the scariest scene in any movie I've ever seen. Yeah. That's also what the book of Ezekiel is like, because Ezekiel does some weird stuff. Um, but after reading it, it's like, I kind of was like, okay, this is where we're going. Um, so what's up, dude? Um, I'm going through this book. I know, like, whenever I, like, kind of do, like, a one big story teaching and I go through, like, a book, I kind of try to, like, contextualize it in some way. Like, I know, like, one of them I said was, like, kind of like a museum. Another one I said was something like something, like something else. This one, I'm literally just going to, like, go through the story chronologically and there are three main points that are three key points that I, like, I pulled out that I think are really applicable for us. So I'm just going to go through it, pull those out, and then we'll be done. Cool? Sweet. Um, so picks up the setting. It picks up five years after Second Kings and Second Chronicles, five years after where Israel is exiled in Babylon. I know, um, do you guys remember? We were kind of talking about the Israelites, and they're exiled out of Babylon, and they're captured there. This takes, five, takes place five years after. Um, it's written by, who do you guys think it's written by? Ezekiel, yeah, good job. wasn't obvious at all. Um, Ezekiel, um, who was a priest, 
And the book starts with Ezekiel, like, literally seeing the Lord. This is in, like, the first three chapters of Ezekiel. Um, and it's not just, like, okay, like, Ezekiel heard from the Lord, or he was, like, praying and, like, heard God's voice, or, like, had this image. Like, he literally sees the physical manifestation of God, which is nuts. Like, I think the, um, I, a lot of the, like, research I do for these kind of sermons, like, come from, like, the Bible Project videos um, for books of the Bible. So if you ever, um, if you ever, if we're ever speaking on one of these things and you guys are like, that was really good, I really like that one, go back and watch the Bible Project videos for it because it goes, like, way more in depth um, than I could. Um, but um, basically, Ezekiel literally sees the Lord. And in, that, in the Bible Project video, it talks about how, like, the physical manifestation of God is really similar to how, you guys remember how Moses would like go up on Mount Sinai and like see God and like get the Ten Commandments from him and stuff like that? They're like, that's what this was really, like basically like. And the, the first couple chapters of Ezekiel describe like this crazy image he sees of, Jesus, of God, like physically in front of him. Um, but honestly, the most interesting part, and this isn't something that's happened to me or something that I've heard of happening to someone else, is that when God is, like, appearing to Ezekiel, he's telling him to speak to the Israelites, he's, like, calling him, and you're probably like, okay, I've read this book before in the Bible, I've seen this movie before, I know what happens. He calls him, and, like, then he goes to the Israelites, and then they're upset, and then he says something, and then the Israelites are, okay, cool, you know what, we should be with God, and then that's the story. But what's different this time is that when the Lord is calling Ezekiel, he literally tells Ezekiel that what you're going to tell the Israelites, they're not going to hear you. Like, you're basically, you're basically, he's not telling Ezekiel he's wasting his time, but he's basically saying, like, I'm telling you to do this, and it's, it's not going to work with anybody. Like, not a single Israelite is going to hear you out or be like, you know, my heart's going to be changed. Like, you are completely speaking to a wall. Have you guys ever, like, spoken to someone and, like, they just, like, don't get what you're saying? Like, you can't get through to them? Yeah? Like, it's like that, but with an entire country of people. And not a single person was going to listen to Ezekiel. Um, the verse is in Ezekiel 3.7. It says, but the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they're not willing to listen to me, because all the house of Israel have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. So all, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, literally, these people are so stubborn that, they, that the Lord says they have a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Um, and that ties in the first point that I have, which is that God doesn't always ask you to do what is easy. God doesn't always ask you to do what is easy. The Lord was asking Ezekiel to do this thing that seemed like a complete waste of time. He was asking Ezekiel to talk to the Israelites and, like, tell them that they were wrong for, you know, worshiping other gods and leaving the Lord and abandoning the Lord, but was telling Ezekiel that, like, they wouldn't hear him. And it, honestly, if I heard something like that from the Lord, I would be like, God, why, why am I doing it? Like, I'm just not going to do that then. Thanks. Um, but Ezekiel went out and did it anyway. And uh, I don't know. I think it's really common in our lives that we might feel like the Lord is telling us to do something, but we're like, I don't really know if that person's going to hear it. I don't really know if that person's going to receive it. Or I don't really want to go talk to my friend about this thing. Like, they're not even going to care. But I think this is a really good reminder that, like, God doesn't always ask you to do it as easy. He doesn't always ask you to do something because you're like, oh, that person's going to hear me out and be like, yeah, I totally want to follow Jesus. Or, oh, that, that, I have to go, like, you know, do this task or this job or listen to my parents about something. It's going to be super easy for me every time. Do all of you guys ever always want to listen to your parents every single time they ask you to do something? Because I don't. No. But, like, you still have to do it, Right? Like, the Lord is still asking us to, like, obey our parents and to love them. And that's not always easy. But God doesn't always ask you to do it as easy. And honestly, in personal experience, there was a time earlier this summer where I was praying about a decision. I was like, okay, God, I could either go this way or I could go that way. And I was kind of, like, stuck at a crossroads where I was like, all right, you know what, this is what I want to do, but God, I will do whatever you tell me to do. 
Um, but there was one option that in my head, I was like, that's, that's the easy one. That's the one I want. Um, and what I felt like the Lord told me to do, like he told me to not do that. And then he was, I was like, okay, but God, like that would be so easy. And he was like, Luke, I don't always ask you to do it as easy. And I was like, okay, well, I guess that's true. Like not everything you're always going to do for God is going to be easy. In fact, I might venture to say that most things that you do for the Lord aren't going to be easy. They're going to be kind of hard or they're going to be challenging or they're going to be tough. But like, like Ezekiel, he went and did it anyway. And I would encourage you, too, that, like, if you're ever in a position at school with friends, with family, um, and you're like, okay, I feel like, and just, this is just tying it to Ezekiel. If you're ever in a position where you're like, okay, I feel like the Lord is asking me to share something with this person or tell this person about Jesus or share something with them or anything like that, um, but you're, like, kind of hesitant because you're like, their heart is really, like, too hard for this. Like, that person, this one person isn't going to listen to it. You guys have that person in your head that you're kind of like, yeah, if I had to speak to this person, they, they wouldn't hear me out. Um, I would encourage you to do it if the Lord's asking you to do it. Because as shown here, like, there's no heart too hard for the Lord. The Israelites were completely abandoning Jesus, abandoning God. They were completely not worshiping him. They were worshiping other gods. Like, Ezekiel was the only one who was listening to the Lord. But God didn't abandon the Israelites. God was still telling Ezekiel to go speak to them, even though he knew their hearts were too hard. So I would encourage you guys, step, take that step in faith if the Lord is asking you to do something, um, even if it's not easy. But after the Lord appears to Ezekiel, then Ezekiel, this is where Ezekiel starts to get weird. Ezekiel starts to do some weird stuff. Um, and uh, this is in Ezekiel 4 and 5. And have you guys ever heard of, like, method acting? It's like when, like, an actor on a set of a movie is, like, in character the whole time. So they're doing really weird stuff. Like, I know Heath Ledger did it in The Dark Knight when he was, like, playing the Joker. He was, like, only in character the whole time. He's like, I have to get in that space or something like that. Um, kind of weird. But Ezekiel, I would almost say it's, like, sort of like that. Or Ezekiel would do things that he wasn't actually, like, doing for the purpose of that thing, but was doing it for, like, an example or, like, a symbol. So at one point, for example, the Lord calls Ezekiel um, to chop off all his hair to, like, get the Israelites' attention. So he does. And I think back then that was, like, significant. Like, it, like, if you all of a sudden, like, had this dude with long hair, and the next week he shows up and he's, like, shaving his head in youth group, you'd be like, what the heck is this guy's problem? But he definitely would have your attention. Um, and then uh, another time, Ezekiel had to, like, stage this play about, like, the siege of Jerusalem that was going to happen but hadn't happened yet and was, like, doing this whole thing about it. So that was kind of weird. But honestly, my favorite and the weirdest is that at one point the Lord, like, it's not just that Ezekiel does this. Like, the Lord is, it's in Ezekiel chapter 4 and 5, it shows God telling Ezekiel to do this thing. Um, and what he tells Ezekiel to do, he tells him to lay on his side for 390 days, so over a year, and to eat food that is cooked over his own poop. Like, Ezekiel's laying, he's, like, tied up, he's laying on the ground, he looks like a crazy person, his hair is probably all still chopped off, and people are like, there's this weird guy, Ezekiel, who's doing this weird stuff, but Ezekiel's, like, laying on the ground in the middle of, like, the city or wherever, and he's basically just having someone cook food for him over his own crap for 390 days. I think, like, if that was happening here, that person would probably be here for, like, an hour, and we'd be like, okay, we have to, like, call police or something, like, okay, maybe not an hour, but you know what I mean? Like, definitely not 390 days. <laughs> um, but basically, <laughs> Ezekiel has to do all this weird stuff because God is asking him to do it. And I can tell you that the Lord is not asking you to go poop and then eat your food over at your school for a year. Please, please don't do that. 
Um, don't do that. Don't do anything like that. If, the Lord, if you feel like the Lord is asking you to do that, go tell your youth leader first because that's a conversation that should probably be had. Um, but basically, like, the reason why Ezekiel was doing that was because the Lord wanted to get the Israelites' attention and to symbolize, like, the pain and, like, the food they would have to, like, how bad the food they would have to eat after Jerusalem was destroyed. Um, so there was, like, a reason. There was a purpose. Ezekiel's doing all this weird stuff. Um, and then at one point in Ezekiel 11, Ezekiel gets his vision from the Lord about, like, the temple and about how the Israelites aren't following the Lord, how they're worshiping other gods, how they're, like, trapped in Babylon. You guys are making me laugh in the front row. <laughs> um, uh, and basically, um, Ezekiel gets his vision from the Lord about the temple and all this stuff. Um, and it's mostly about how Israel's going to be judged. But in the middle of it, the Lord provides this point about, like, providing Israel hope. It's in verse 19 in chapter 11 of Ezekiel. And it says, And I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh. And the, I'm noting that right now. I'm going to come back to it later. But the point is that there's this theme starting to develop throughout the book of Ezekiel where the Lord is providing hope for the Israelites even though their hearts are extremely hardened. Even though nobody will listen to Ezekiel, nobody will listen to the Lord, nobody's open to hearing anything about Jesus, these people are, like, the Lord is still saying that he's going to soften their hearts and going to provide them a new one. Um, so there's this theme developing about hope amidst judgment that I'm going to come back to later. But then after Ezekiel 11, um, for, like, I think it's, like, the next, like, 10 to 15 chapters of Ezekiel, there's a lot of parables about Jerusalem and kind of that represent, like, what uh, the Israelites are like in abandoning Jesus or abandoning God. Um, and then there's also, like, a lot of stories where Ezekiel is basically laying out why the Israelites deserve to be judged, why they deserve to be um, punished and all this stuff for, like, abandoning the Lord. Um, but my favorite out of all these kind of stories is in Ezekiel 15. Um, and I thought it was, I thought you guys might find it funny, um, where it's about how Jerusalem was like a useless stick, how it's like a stick that has been burned and is useless and has no purpose and is just completely worthless. Have you guys ever felt like a useless stick? Because at some points in my life, while I haven't felt like a useless stick, I've had times where I felt every day, Eli raises his hand, I've had times where I have felt useless or I have felt like, why am I doing this thing? Or why is God calling me to do this? There's no point. Um, in verse 5 in Ezekiel chapter 15, it says, Behold, when it was whole, it was used for nothing. How much less when the fire has consumed it and it is charred, can it ever be used for anything? The point I kind of got from this, like this little section of Ezekiel, is that God uses the useless. God uses the useless. And I think it's just a reminder for us that we could not ever be too far gone for God to use us. The Israelites, they've completely abandoned God. They're completely not worshiping the Lord, worshiping other gods. They're about as far away from him as anybody could ever be. And God is literally saying that in the current state they're in, they're basically useless. But the Lord is still providing, like, this hope for them. He's still setting up this hope for them. He's still saying that amidst all these things, amidst all this pain and punishment, he's going to soften their hearts. And Israel deserved to be punished, just like, like we do. By, like, in, I know in Genesis, like, where we read the story of Adam and Eve, it talks about how, like, once they sinned, like, okay, because of sin, there's death. And, like, just like we deserve to be punished, just like we don't deserve salvation on our own, like, the Lord is still providing that gift of salvation for us, even though we might not deserve it, even though we might, on our own merit, consider ourselves to be useless. God still wants to use us. God still loves us unconditionally. God still doesn't abandon us. Um, God still provides hope for us. And 
that's kind of the main thing I get from that part of Ezekiel. And then after that, from Ezekiel 25 to 32, there's a ton of examples about how the Lord is like also going to punish Israel and then punish all the other nations they've like kind of like partnered with, all the other nations that like they are like worshiping all their other gods. He's like, okay, so I'm not just coming for you, Israel. I'm going to punish all these people who are leading you away from me. Um, and then in Ezekiel 33, Jerusalem is destroyed, like completely destroyed. All the visions Ezekiel has had have come to pass. Because right now, remember, Ezekiel's in Babylon. And basically the way that story goes is there's this refugee that comes in from Jerusalem. He's, like, beat up. He's, like, covered in, like, bandages or something. That's like the, at least the way, like, I, like, kind of imagine it in my own head. But basically this guy in, in the video that I watched too, and basically, like, he comes in and he's, like, Jerusalem was destroyed, completely destroyed. It doesn't exist anymore. Like, it's been completely captured. And basically, even though all the Israelites hadn't been listening to Ezekiel, even though they thought probably for somewhat good reason that Ezekiel was criminally insane, like, the, like the, the things he had heard from the Lord were coming to pass. It, Jerusalem had been completely destroyed. But the book of Ezekiel didn't stop there. The book of Ezekiel goes on to, this is in chapter 33, goes on to chapter 48. And kind of the point of the rest of those chapters is that the Lord is still providing hope for them. Because right after Ezekiel 33, in Ezekiel 34, um, there's a, like this passage in a couple verses. I'm going to read verses 11 and 12 for you in a second about this future king, this future hope that the Lord is providing for the Israelites. And in Ezekiel 34, 11 and 12, it says, For thus says the Lord God, Behold, I, I myself, will search for my sheep and will seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock, when he is among his sheep that have been scattered, so will I seek out my sheep. And I will rescue them from all places where they have been scattered on a day of clouds and thick darkness. And the main theme of Ezekiel that I at least got from the whole book that I think kind of is tied together in the end is that the Lord always provides hope amidst judgment, and that hope is Jesus. In these verses, the Lord is saying, okay, I'm not just going to provide this way out for you. I'm not just going to like, okay, somehow arrange things so that you can be saved. He's saying, I am literally going to come to you and shepherd this flock and rescue you from this judgment, rescue you from this sin that you're in, rescue you from the things that you've been walking in. And it's a reminder for us, for me, for any of us, that like Jesus is the only way out of our sin and darkness. Jesus always has been the only way out, and he always will be. At our lowest, at our worst, at our deepest, darkest sin, God is still always providing that hope for us. No matter where you're at today, whether you're at a season where you're feeling like, man, I'm I love Jesus, I'm following him, I've been saved, all this stuff. Or whether you're in a season where you're like, man, I am so wrapped up in sin and darkness. I don't know where to go. I don't know what to do. I'm, I may be hearing this message and I'm like, yeah, that's me. I literally don't care about God. If you're here, if you're one of those people and you're like kind of feeling that way, I want to remind you that Jesus is always providing that hope for you. The Israelites completely abandoned God. They weren't just done with him. They were like, yeah, we, we're, like, we're against God. The people, the, the nations they were partnering with, the God, other God, the other false gods they were worshiping, like these weren't just things that they were like, okay, yeah, Jesus is pretty cool, and like there's this other stuff too. Like they were completely against the Lord. But God was still providing that hope for them. God was still reminding Ezekiel and reminding the people through Ezekiel that despite the judgment, despite the pain they'd have to walk through, that he would one day provide this hope for them through his son Jesus. After Israel, after Israel had been completely destroyed, after Israel, the city of Jerusalem was completely gone, after there was not even like a speck of hope, you guys know other seasons where it's like, okay, everything's going wrong, I feel like school's a mess, I feel like family's a mess, I don't really know what to do, but like I have this one friend who's like kind of helping me get through it. There's like a one single speck of hope. The Israelites literally on paper didn't have any of that. 
nothing was going their way. They were at the lowest, complete, bottom, like apex low they could ever be at. But Jesus was, st- or God was still promising that he would send his son Jesus down to be their savior. He never left the Israelites. And yeah, the rest of the book kind of closes with like this hope for um, all the nations and this hope for the earth and this and like God's desire to kind of restore um, the earth one day um, to like perfect relationship with him. But I want to end on that point of Jesus being the living eternal hope for the Israelites. And I want to remind you that no matter where you're at, no matter what season you're in, no matter what mountain or valley you're in, that Jesus is that eternal hope for you. Jesus is that living hope for you where no matter where you are, no matter how far away you are from him, you can always go back to him. He is always there for you. And I think a lot of times, like even like whether we're whether we've been a Christian our whole life or whether we're don't even we don't even care about Jesus, we can like kind of come to a state where we're like, man, I'm too wrapped up in my sin to be used. I'm too wrapped up in my sin to be cared about. I'm too wrapped up in my sin um, for Jesus to love me or to forgive me this time or for me to like kind of move on. But I want to encourage you guys, walk in freedom. Know that Jesus is that hope for you. That by dying on the cross for your sins and raising from the grave and defeating death, like the Lord, like he took care of you. Like he washed out all your sin. It doesn't mean that like what you might be doing wrong or something like that is okay. But what it means is that there's always forgiveness. There's always hope in him. That no matter where we are in life, he's always there for us. He loves you unconditionally. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to close. and it was a short message, but I'm going to close in prayer and then we'll move back into worship. But I don't know. I just feel like maybe there's one or two people in here today who needed to hear that no matter where they're at today, Jesus is for them and he's with them and he loves them. So, God, we, we thank you just for another Sunday where we can come together, where we can dive deeper into your word, where we can fall deeper in love with you. I pray, Lord, that you would press on the hearts of anybody in this room who doesn't know you, God. I pray, Lord, that you would rescue, that they would see that you are the rescue that they need, God, that you are the only true and perfect Savior, that anything else this world has to offer, anything else that we could think of, God, doesn't compare to you. I pray, Lord, that if these people don't know you today, God, that they would just believe in their heart that you're their Savior, that they would accept you, Lord, as their Father, God, that they would believe that you died and you rose again and that you, you are for them, that you love them. I pray, Jesus, that you would move in that, in that word today, God, for us, that we would walk in freedom throughout our week, that we would walk with hope, God, understanding that no matter where we're at, you're with us and you're for us. We love you and we praise you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hope you guys got a ton out of that message. I know I did. If you want to connect with us here at The Rock Youth, follow us on Instagram at The Rock Church YTH. Subscribe to us on YouTube or Spotify by searching The Rock YTH or text The Rock Youth MS or The Rock Youth HS to 33222 for texting updates on everything going on at The Rock Youth. And don't forget to subscribe to our podcast feed. See you next time.